Okay, so I'd like to invite the Housing and Community Development Commissioners to come up. If the chair could come up and sit next to me, because Susan Mims will not be present for this meeting. Well, I intend to. I intend to, and then we'll see. Thank you. Something doesn't seem right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to convene the the work session of the Iowa City City Council for February the fifth, 2019. And we're going to start with a joint meeting with the Housing and Community Development Commission in relationship to aid to agencies and the recommendation that came from the commission. So first, I want to thank the commissioners for doing such a thorough job of reviewing the applications and trying to come up with something that you thought would be completely appropriate. What I suggest we do, if the, if the rest of the council members agree, is that first we engage in dialogue with the commissioners and find out what they did, what they recommended, why they recommended it, and then engage in dialogue about that. At that point, I'll probably say, okay, we've engaged in the dialogue, now it's for us, the council members, to decide how we want to respond. So at that moment, I think it'd be best for y'all to go back down into the audience and we'll just do our normal thing. Does that sound reasonable? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, is that all right with council members? Mm -hmm. yes, okay. sounds good. So, Paula, do you want to take the lead in terms of telling us what you did, what you recommended in general? You don't have to go into all the detail. I won't. And then why you came up with uh, recommending full aid or what a full, uh, fully, re uh, fully funding the requests that came from the various agencies. Okay. Um, good evening. Um, I'm Paula Vaughn. I'm the chair of the Housing Community Development Commission. Um, we had a very lengthy process and a lot of discussion in our group, and I will say that all of the commissioners um, have taken this responsibility very seriously um, and have put a lot of work into it. Uh, we did come up at our last meeting and we did end up recommending that full funding for the agencies um, for a number of reasons. And I know that all of you got the packet and the memo from Mr. Fruin um, that explained how we had changed a few things, so I won't go into all of those. Um, part of our reasoning was that we just looked at the funding over the last um, five to 10 years and realized that the agency's funding has been pretty flat um, and in some cases has decreased but the number of people that they serve has really increased. Uh, the population growth in Iowa City has been about 11% um, figures that I could find. The inflation rate's been about 14%. Uh, with, so the, we have a greater population. They have many more people that they're serving, many more requests and needs. With that, um, since they serve more people, they also have increased staffing. 
They have increased need of supplies. Um, they also, some of them expressed that they may be close to losing their federal match dollars uh, because of the state and local funding going down, and that would be a huge blow to the city if those agencies were not able to operate. It would cost uh, the city a lot economically, um, many jobs, and just the human cost if those people did not have the services. So when we looked at all that and we also heard from agencies at our meeting um, and their situations, um, trying to make ends meet, trying to serve more people with less funding. So we thought it was important to bring attention uh, to the council and to talk about this uh, because this is not going to get any easier going forward. These agencies, um, I, I have, well, no, I have a couple more. These agencies provide employment and training to over 500 members of the community. They also pay um, living wage, salaries, benefits. They bring $36 million through grant money into our community. And they pay out about $23 million for salary and benefit. So they are a big part of our community. The total funding that they are asking for is really less than 2% of their combined revenue. So we are in favor of fully funding. I have a couple of examples um, just to kind of illustrate uh, the numbers that I was talking about. So we took a couple of our larger agencies. One is the shelter house. And they have had an increase over the last 10 years of an emergency shelter of almost 91%. The Knights, Knights shelter that they have given people has increased about 143%. And the, their funding uh, from FY15 to 19 has been in the neighborhood of 45,000 to 50,000, so that has been very flat, even though they've had very large increases in numbers. And per capita, what that has done for them is in fiscal year 09, uh, their per, cap per capita funding was $41.42, and in fiscal year 18, it dropped to $37.91. The other really large agency um, is the Crisis Center, the food bank. And they have had, over the last 10 years, an increase of 57% in the number of food visits that they have from people. Um, and this translates into 39% increase in the pounds of food distributed. They have seen uh, that people need more food because they are not getting as much, like in terms of SNAP money. That has declined. So people are getting more food uh, than they did in the past. So it's not only a matter of numbers, but people needing more than they did before. And their funding uh, for the last four years has been at 40000 each year even though they've had these increases of 57% and 39%. Um, and per capita, again, uh, fiscal year 12, their per capita was $1.06, and in 18, it's 77 cents. So once again, a big decline when you take the numbers into account. 
A couple of other um, agencies that I wanted to call your attention to, United Action Youth, they have had a 49% increase in education of clients and in their direct service. So 49% increase in each of those, and their funding has decreased by 45% in the last four fiscal years. From the city? Yes. Okay. Um, and I know um, at our meeting, someone from DVIP spoke and said that they are very dangerously close to losing their matching funds. So these are some of the things that we heard from agencies. So our recommendation is to fully fund um, the it's $625,500 to the agencies, but we would like to see them fully funded. Um, I know that it's a, a delicate balance for you all, as it was for us. It's quite challenging. It's very difficult um, to come up with these recommendations and to back them, but our whole council voted unanimously that these funds need to be, um, they need to be increased. And not just this year, but looking forward. Um, I'm kind of more concerned really about the future and what is gonna happen. Um, that this funding um, is gonna, that the call for funding is going to be increased. Uh, the number of people um, needing service will be increased. And that we need to do something that will be sustainable. Uh, for the future. Okay, thank you, Paula. That's a very thorough overview. Um, I don't know, would any other commissioners like to elaborate? I mean, it's a very thorough overview, but... Charlie? Uh, I'd like to make two points. Uh, one, in listening to the uh, uh, representatives from agencies who talked to the commission at our last meeting, and asked for full funding. Uh, I was very much uh, taken by their uh, professionalism, their capacity, their ca capability, and their experience in making their uh, uh, statements to us that the, their agencies needed to increase, to, to have the uh, aid agency amount from the city increased uh, substantially. Um, I, 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 one thing I'm trying to learn as a commission member is, is that I need to defer a lot to the wisdom and experience of people who are coming to us for uh, financial support. And I, uh, I hope we will all do that. The second thing I'd want to uh, say is that uh, uh, I, I happen to look at the, uh, the uh, current FY20 proposed city budget and uh, Notice that the, uh, there's a table or a graph that shows a change in taxable valuation, total taxable valuation that uh, Iowa City has seen over the last uh, 10 years or so. And just looking at the uh, t change in taxable valuation from FY15 to FY20, that, that valuation increased uh, about 25% over that five-year period of time, around 5% per year. Uh, to me, that the taxable value, the total taxable valuation, is the amount that this uh, you have to um, to uh, tap into uh, for uh, obtaining property taxes to support vital community services, which I believe these folks have uh, have demonstrated to us that their request is for vital services and are quite reasonable. Just to get something on the table from a council point of view, no one doubts the importance of the 19 agencies involved here. They are very important to the city. 
So that's not a topic that's really at issue here, right? Okay, beyond that, uh, thanks, Charlie. Uh, do any council members have questions you want to ask of commissioners? One, one question I had was, uh, with, with these fund requests, are they tailored uh, to Iowa City? Meaning, um, I mean, some of these agencies even are embedded in their names, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Johnson County are serving the county as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so is, is, say, their request proportional to what they feel their services are for the residents of Iowa City? Yes. Um, in the application, they detail out what they will do with the funds in each, like each location. Um, and a lot of them get United Way funds, so they will detail out what they use those funds for, what they use the Iowa City funds for. And so part of the commission, what the commission does is make sure that uh, those funds are for Iowa City, you know, and, and, and they look appropriate. This is a significant request. So I guess my question is, um, for the ones that were awarded, you know, they got the awards and then there's this lack of funding. Um, how did, you know, the commission come up to that decision of who will get awarded? If you can talk a little bit about that. Um, well, it's kind of a grueling process. <laughs> so we do have a um, kind of a scoring sheet um, that each of us does independently. And then we come together and they're all put on one sheet and we look at all of them. Um, and, and usually it's kind of interesting um, because I think we all kind of agonize over it, but in the end we seem to agree pretty much. Um, so sometimes there are agencies that do not receive funding. If I could follow up on that. When I read the minutes of your meeting, I was tracking you all along as you were very doing a very thorough job of going through the agencies and trying to come up with what you thought that they ought to be allocated and so on. And suddenly, bam, suddenly about two thirds of the way through, there was this big leap from allocating the amount that we had um, assigned to the Commission for Aid Agencies to this full funding idea. So it wasn't immediately obvious to me how the commission came to this unanimous judgment to fully fund the 19 agencies. John? Jim, when I was uh, appointed to the commission a couple years ago, uh, and I knew that there was a lot of agony, which we share with you as council members, because you, in a larger way, have to do the same sort of thing. There's a lot of human need out there, and you have to decide with the limited funds and, and I thought whatever we were told was the amount we should stay within, that that was our mission. And it's been very painful to do that, especially with uh, increasing human need and more uh, agencies asking for assistance and uh, their margins getting thinner and thinner uh, with decreasing state and federal funding and things like the Medicaid uh, debacle recently. Uh, that have put a lot of uh, the agencies in a, a really deep water in terms of their financing. Uh, and, and so uh, there was a, a point of recognition, just like you said. I think you're, uh, you're very perceptive. That's exactly what happened. 
that uh, uh, we were sharing with you this burden of trying to keep within a certain figure that was given to us, and it came to the point where uh, you know, we're proud of what this council has done and what this city does uh, in terms of affordable housing and so many other things. We are leaders in the state and in the Midwest in some of the things that we're doing. But there came a point when we had to say, you know, there's so much more need here and the, it's, the gap is getting larger instead of smaller. And this is not a rebellion saying, okay, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to work with those figures you give us anymore. We're, you know, we didn't come here with pitchforks. Where's your poster? <laughs> yeah. uh, we didn't come here with pitchforks uh, in a rebellious way. We came here because we trust you. Uh, we're proud of the things you're doing. And uh, we just thought that uh, we needed to call this to your attention. Uh, we're responsible, trying to be responsible citizens and saying, you know, this, this gap is getting wider, so uh, we're sharing the pain with you that we uh, have been struggling with uh, to share with uh, the uh, agencies that have been asking for funding. If I can piggyback on that, in the room, when we, make sorry, a closer to that in the room, when um, we had done our rough sort and our rough allocation, we realized that it, approximately half of the agencies were getting less than half of what they were asking for. And in no case was anyone asking for the moon. It really was like the penny just dropped and the room sort of collectively sunk. And just to put you sort of in the emotional moment, it really was a moment of recognition and an epiphany of this is gut-wrenching. There is so much need and yet we're in one of the better off counties, right? And so it's actually juxtaposing that understanding of a real commitment to helping human need in our county and yet realizing the folks who were watching us go through this were no doubt saying, how are we going to make it through this year? How are we going to make it through the next year and the next and the next when the need just keeps getting bigger and bigger? And that was a moment that just kind of sucked the energy out of the room and then put it back into it. And we thought this is the right place for us to, to move. So just to give you sort of the emotional climate yeah, and, yeah. and how we came there. And, and we've essentially, as the need has gone up, um, you'd given us a lot of credit, and I want to put us on the uh, stand here too and say, I think to criticize and self-criticize ourselves, current council even, we've stayed flat. So as the needs and populations have gone up, we've stayed flat. So in effect, we have not even come close to coming up with the need. And it's my sense is, is that you looked, and another thing that strikes me, these agencies, these are professionally run, data-driven organizations. Um, we're also looking at a ways in other contexts to help some new other startups for nonprofits, but they have their own organizational challenges. But we can have confidence that the dollars here, and I think you brought up a really good point, that not only will we spend those dollars but they will multiply and radiate throughout the community. So in some respects, it's not really an expense as much of an investment is sort of what I see. So I want to follow up with a question for Paula to make sure I understood something I think you said. I think I heard you say that city funding constitutes 2% of the total funding for the 19 agencies. Yes. 
two percent. Yeah, yeah, a little so, less. So, I mean, just thinking mathematically here, and there's a lot more involved here than just math. Uh, shrinking that amount a tiny bit, shrinking two percent a tiny bit, doesn't sound like very much to me out of the total, right? So. And then I, I find myself wondering, and I'm going to plead ignorance here, so for anybody who's from the agencies out here, I want you all to understand I feel completely ignorant when I ask this question. Are the agencies seeking funding from private corporations, including major owners of apartment complexes and other businesses in the community? Because that's where the wealth is. And, and I'm, so I'm just wondering if, if that kind of effort to get donations from those entities is taking place. If it's not, there is an opportunity. If it is, well, okay, I'm ignorant and there we are. So I'm really wondering about that though. We've had, you know, the state has dramatically cut the amount of revenue coming to Iowa City through uh, what it's done with regard to property tax reform having to do with multifamily and commercial uh, um, properties. Uh, Jeff, where are you? I can't see. Yeah, so maybe you or Kevin could tell us how much money has not come to us because of that? And because of the, the Supreme Court's decision about uh, you know, whether these, these apartment complexes are residential or commercial? I think we're projecting about a $2 million loss this coming fiscal year. It's about $1.6 million last year, and it'll continue to grow until 2024. Thank you. I'm curious about this matching issue. It, it seems to me as a, a baseline, we should ensure that no agency, to the extent that we reasonably can, should lose matching funds um, from the federal government and the state government. Did we come up with a number as to what the number would be to ensure that these organizations would not lose their matching funds? Mm -hmm. And two, of the organizations that had submitted, how many numerically were close to losing their matching funds as a result of the decrease in um, city funding? So if you could answer that question, or did I put you on the spot? That's sounds right. Like, sounds like you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very compelling yeah. thing that you brought up with the matching. Right. Um, and yes, got that from the audience, uh, the, the agencies who were represented, and somebody um, volunteered that and just made the comment, I'm sure we're not the only one, and I'm pretty sure that that's true, but I don't really have the figures. Okay. So. Okay, does anybody have any other questions for commissioners? I guess one. Or for staff that's related to the conversation. We're so, it, I mean, it's very interesting to hear how that, that meeting you had unfolded and there was this kind of aha moment. Um, was there any discussion of any sort of, uh, you know, there's, there's, there was the money budgeted, there was the requests and what they added up to. Any discussion of, well, do we want to consider something in between in any, in any manner in terms of, you know, what, what to set the request at? You know, it's, it went from holding to the, the budget that you had been given to basically just agreeing to the requests as submitted, correct? Mm -hmm. Was there any discussion of, is there, is there another alternative to this? Is there some 
analysis that would bring the request to a lower figure, in other words? Um, well, I'm not sure that I'm quite understanding, but when we... As a negotiation. A you compromise. Know, in a sense, a negotiation that you're hearing, right. you know, these agencies ask for X, you, we have Y, you know, how do we negotiate the outcome of that short of just saying, okay, we're going to give you what, you what you've asked for? Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I would think we had already pretty well negotiated it because um, most of them did not get close to what they had asked for, the, the larger ones. We give um, always the minimum that we give is 15000 so that's part of we don't we don't give under fifteen thousand. So that would be the minimum. Uh, so those who asked for a great deal more got maybe half of what they had requested. We also I think had some discussion about dropping. We have high, medium, and low priority, and this year we decided to sort of divide those monies because what's happened in the past is only the agencies that had high priority got any money. And so, as an example, Habitat for Humanity is listed, um, theirs would be listed as low priority. So they have gotten no funding for the last five years uh, because we just give the funds to the high priority. So one of our goals this year was to try to make sure that medium and low priority agencies also got something, at least some of them. Uh, so then we did talk about, well, we'll just drop the low and you know, and then give more to the higher priority. So we did do some talk about that. You know, does that answer your question? I think so, yeah. If I, Vanessa, fix my rise. I just wanted to make a couple points here. Um, so I actually missed that meeting because I had the stomach virus. Um, but I, this goes really kind of beyond one meeting. I, I just wanted to point out that like we we go through just like you all do this annually. You know, going through this process of you know how do we find the right metrics to you know justify the decisions that we make and make sure that you know everybody's getting funded or at least you're looking at you're not looking at apples and oranges, you know, so we can kind of make, you know, fully aware decisions and um, kind of go through this agonizing process as we've described and I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to point out is that, you know, this funding source is uh, largely unrestricted. And I want to point that out because I think that it's incredibly important for organizations um, that, that this pot of money, um, to kind of answer your question as to like why, you know, is it ever going to be enough or, you know, are, are we, we're just maintaining this, but really it's, 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 I guess, more dynamic than that. The source of funding itself or the, the ability that you can, what you can do with this money is more dynamic than just, you know, uh, just a pot of money, I guess, that oftentimes uh, nonprofits or state or organizations, you have these restrictions and you, you can't use it for operations. You can only use it for certain things. So I think that's one nuance that I want to point out. And then another thing was just to kind of clarify this less than 2% of revenue figure. Um, that's a little bit more nuanced too because some organizations obviously are, you know, larger and that margin, that difference is going to be, you know, much more insignificant than, a, a, than another organization that maybe doesn't have like a million dollar, you know, revenue stream. Um, 
but the need is still there, right? So you may be asking $50,000, and we're only going to be giving you $15,000. But if you're a million-dollar organization that is, you know, pulling in these private fundings or, you know, however you may be getting uh, funds, that's going to be a lot different than some of the other organizations that are literally two people, right? They are very professional, and they do what they do by the skin of their teeth every year, um, but their margin is going to be much lower. Their revenue is going to be much lower. So I think that 2% or less than 2% sort of is, um, obscures the real issue. Uh, I just kind of wanted to, to clarify that. I think it's important to know, but um, there is nuance in there. So just wanted to clarify. And just by um, unrestricted, you're saying that the city funds are unrestricted as opposed to, like if we had federal funds, a lot of times those have the strength. So that's the advantage that we can bring is to give more flexibility to these organizations. Okay. Right. I just, oh, have just I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, John, if you're inviting us to have a discussion with agencies about their funding that is somewhere between the uh, proposed budgetary amount and the amount we're asking, I think we could do that. Well, th that, that's good, but we already have a recommendation along those lines from our city manager. So to be clear about that, the city manager's, was it 37, Jeff? Is that the amount? City manager is recommending that we increase the allocation to the commission by $37,000 so that, so that the agencies can be funded what they were funded last year. Is that, am I stating that correctly, Jeff? Yeah, okay. So that's that part, to an extent, that part of it's already on the table for us, at least in terms of the council. Uh, even I forget what I was trying to say. But yeah, I think I would like to ask the staff maybe or the commission, uh, the, the HCC, uh, CDC, uh, the fund for uh, Agency to agency, like every year, is this has been budget like a specific budget that the, the we budget for it, or it was open, or how because say sometimes say 250 was for five years, and after that four of the uh, four of these six years it was 376. Is it is like some budget being allocated every year to this agency to agency, or it up to the commission to evaluate and come up with what they want to give up? Yeah, I think Jeff can answer that. So there's there's three funding sources that come together uh, for this pot of money. There's a federal funding source, which changes from year to year. That's your CDBG allocation. And we actually don't know what that CDB allocation is yet. We should know in the, in the coming month or two. Um, that's why you see some minor fluctuations from year to year. The two stable funding sources that have been flat would be the city's general fund, which is the 250. And then there's a small dollar amount that comes from our public utility funds. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, 20-some thousand uh, that comes from that. But that is a line item budget in our Neighborhood and Development Services Department's uh, budget. That is then presented to the commission um, as part of the, uh, when they get the applications, there's there's the, the budget amount there. And when you decide to give out the extra money from the utility, how did you come up with this decision? Because of the commission come out and they think this money really have to be given to this uh, you know, agency or 
I don't understand. Like, how do we decide which agency gets which pot of money? No, no, no. Like the extra money when the we have, we see, you said we have from the general fund 250, right? Correct. Yes. But sometimes the commission will come with more money. Say, hey, 200. We don't, we don't want, we want more than 250, which is you saying here, 376 was. In, in. in at least my time here, I do not recall the commission coming forward and requesting more dollars. We've had agencies that have come forward uh, after the allocation and, and uh, uh, made their case to council for additional funding. Uh -huh. uh, so some of you on the council may remember Elder Services a few years ago after their allocation was reduced, uh, came back and the, and the city actually increased oh, okay. our allocation on kind of a case-by-case -case basis. I see. But I don't recall the commission ever coming forward and, and presenting the case for Usually the agency call. Correct. Okay, and also since you are here, just to to qualify the question that the mayor, the mayor asked you earlier about the projection of the fund that we're going to lose, do you really mean this is will happen for sure, or this is including the backfield that they might not give it to us? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not following that answer or that question. You said there is two million or something that projected uh, we, 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 that city will lose two million, something like that. I think that was for the commercial property tax reduction. That's the commercial. Yes, there's no backfill for that amount. That's only for the commercial. That, that's for the multi multi residential. That two million. There's no backfill for the multi residential. There is backfill for the commercial, and that's an additional 1.6 okay. million. Okay, but the total is two two million or three million. Well, if you combine, yes. if you combine those two elements, it's about 3.6 million, and we'll get backfill for about 1.6 million. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least we're still hoping we will. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Bruce, do you have a question? Well, one last thing. So I know John talked about um, agencies ask for X, um, but we can only provide Y, and typically at these. Um, I know it's very difficult when you're trying to allocate money. Um, but, I mean, that's expected, that everybody probably won't come and get what they fully asked for. So I guess one of my questions is, in the discussion at all, the real issue seems to be that the aid to agency funds have been static. The CDBG, CDBG funds, as we know, has been going up and down. That's very you know, known to everybody that apply for these funds, that's a gamble. For me, I think the issue is for the city to really consider what our portion is for the aid to agency um, and look at that, you know, moving forward. If we, if we were to, you know, fund everyone, now make sure, I wanna make sure that I understand this correctly. So the money that the count uh, that the commission is requesting, will this fund everyone 100 percent? Everyone that applied 19. this time. Yes. Everyone that applied. Yes. But if we fund what the what the city has recommended for 37,000, that will fund everyone what they got last year. Right, which means there are two two agencies that will get zero. Because they didn't apply last year. No, they applied, but they did not receive funding. They receive funding. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so ARC and Habitat for Humanity um, would not get any. 
And if I'm understanding correctly, there could be a potential where they could reach out to council and state after the fact, would you all consider funding this? Am I understanding correctly? You probably could, but that is not an ideal circumstance okay. for us. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one thing I um, would like you to keep in mind, too, going forward is that this year we did try to, we, we made up the emerging agencies to try to give new agencies a chance to get some funding. And I realize that over time, then it sort of dilutes it, but how do we include them? You know, I, I think that's an, an important thought going forward, is how to include new agencies that come in and do very specific uh, targeted work. So. Could, could I follow up on that, Paula? Do I understand correctly that the commission has not yet recommended how to allocate the, the $19,000? That's correct. For emerging agencies? Yes. yes. So that That's remains correct. to be done, right? Yeah. We have not looked at those okay. apps yet. Um, do, do you think, uh, as commissioners, there would be value in you as a commission recommending to us some subtle modifications to the process that currently is in place? I'm not talking about dollar allocations for this fiscal year, but I'm just talking about the process in terms of legacy agencies, emerging agencies, uh, the emerging agencies uh, becoming legacy agencies after two years or whatever, however that uh, actually works. Do you think there would be value in you making recommendations to us about any subtle changes that should be made to that process? I don't know. You might think about that. I don't know if you're in a position. Uh, my thinking is that uh, it's the amount of money that we have to work with is the more difficult yeah. problem at the moment. We just recently uh, worked over the process to make it uh, fairer, uh, more transparent, uh, based on uh, more objective uh, criteria. I I'd like to aim, if we're aiming for a little higher figure, and we can't go all the way to the full uh, asking uh, amount from the agencies. I'd like to look, and I don't know what the figure is, but I'd like to look more like at something proportional to what in actual dollars and actual buying power we were doing a few years ago. And also look about in terms of uh, growth of the city budget and uh, growth of the uh, taxable base and that sort of thing. Look proportionally. Uh, at what we're doing now, what the, what the agencies are doing now, and what the city, uh, the growth of the city, and the, the, that sort of thing, and try to get it back into proportion, rather than just going back to last year. I, I think we want to, it's, it's like uh, Mr. Cole said, uh, look at the, if you look at the shrinking amount and the widening gap, I'd, I'd like to kind of I'd go back and look at a, a longer span and say, let's get it back to a, a, a better proportion than it, than it has been. If the proportions have been getting out of, out of whack over the last few years. Okay. I think Sorry. we're always open to, you know, I, I was part of the process of revamping this, um, ha this process. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we really have looked at, you know, how do we create more transparency, give ourselves more time to consider, make sure that we're really talking with Hard them. Task. Yeah, you know, so we've, we've, I think we've really 
you know, got a, a good working system. Everything is a draft, I feel like, in my life. But, um, you know, we're always open to, to modifying and changing. I think in this case, you know, oftentimes the case, the process could be changed and it would alleviate some of those stressors. Um, but I think in this case, the, the process has been changed and, and we're still feeling as though it's, it's the, pot of, the pot of money that we're working with that's the issue. But I, I think we'd be open to, of course, looking at it and always being better. Um, okay, okay. Do other council members have any other questions? Okay, I, I want to ask one and then I guess we will be done. It has, my question goes to the idea, the concept of need, and I, I think I know enough about social services to know that the need is hard to bound because it just, it's almost infinite. What does all, almost infinite mean? I don't know. <laughs> 20 percent times infinity, you know, where are you? <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm reading a quote that comes from the minutes of the commission's meeting. And one of the agency directors, I think, wanted to note that she had known, if she had known, no, she wanted to note that had she known there was a possibility of getting more than the 17500 she would have asked for more. Okay, so... That's what I mean about the need. I mean, if people know that they can ask for more, well, surely they're going to ask for more. And I, mean, I would. So, and we can't, you know, just respond to that, I don't think. We have to put some kind of lid on it. And we have to do our best collectively to process the allocation in a way that's fair and just and all that kind of stuff. But the need is huge. That's why I mentioned what I did about large corporations, owners of major businesses, including apartment, apartment complexes and so on, to see what kind of donations are available from them. Does anybody else want to say anything else in the context of this dialogue? I guess what would be your response then to Jim's question? That wasn't just a rhetorical question. That was a real one. Yeah. Um, how do you respond to those agencies then that if we increase the allocation, would you then go through the process again for purposes of determining how you would distribute the money? Or would you just fully fund in the amounts that were originally recommended? Isn't that where you're getting at, Jim? That, For instance, I think it was the free medical clinic had said that, well, if I had known that you guys were going to increase the amount that was awarded, I would have asked for more in the first instance. So to that point, if we do increase the amount funded, how would you respond to those other agencies? Would you reopen the process of soliciting so that they could ask for yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, that, that's, I'm not expecting that that would yeah, be the case. No. Okay. But that's part of the concern, is my understanding. Okay. I should just respond real quickly to the notion of uh, unlimited need. I don't think agencies actually operate like that. I think the agency, all of these agencies, carefully assessed who they can serve, how much it takes to serve them, and they make budgeting decisions on that on that information. Mm -hmm. I don't think any any of these agencies are uh, are uh, uh, have a notion that their their need from the city is a million dollars a year. Okay, anything else? I have one last uh, clarification question. I think I understood that two agencies weren't funded last year that were on there this year. Now, are there any agencies that are on there this year that didn't get any funding? Well, 
No. I guess it, it depends on what we have to work with. So, okay. yeah. I think what you're meaning is you have 19 on the list. Was that how many requests you got, 19? Yes, that, that's so. the number of requests we had this year. And you mentioned if we, if we did not fully fund it, two of them could not get anything, right? It, yes, that's possible. Yeah. Because the last time there were only 15 who were funded. So the, those other four of the 19 either weren't on the list last year or didn't get funding last year. This was. Right. It goes to um, Mr. Fruin's point of recommending the 37,000, um, mm -hmm. and then that would fully fund, but that's for agencies that received last year. And so there are two who did not receive last year. So then my assumption would be they would not receive this year either if we're, if we're basing it on last year's. Mm -hmm. well, we can probe unless, that with... That we can, sorry, yeah, no. unless we divide it out and... Yeah. We can probe that, council members, we yeah. can probe that with Jeff when, yeah. when we reconvene as a decision-making body. Sure. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Thanks so much for your very hard work, very thorough job. Thanks for doing the best you can on this situation. Paul, a great summary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I can get out here. Okay, so we're now in our uh, sort of discussion and decision mode as a council, right? So what's your preference, folks, and let's process this, not just leap to decisions, but make sure we feel like we're making a good decision. Can I, can I ask Jeff then? I'm, I'm still a little confused what the difference would be because it's quite a jump from proposal number two with the 37,000 to proposal number three, 251,000. But that proposal number two then doesn't include those four that would be left out. Do, do we have a monetary amount for those that well, could be added into 37,000? Weren't there only two left out? The, the two applications that did not receive allocation last year would be the Arc of Southeast Iowa in Iowa Valley Habitat for Humanity. Um, they not only received no funding last year, they have not received any funding since fiscal year 15. So I, I would say that those agencies aren't necessarily dependent on these funds. Um, and even in, in fiscal year 15, the ARC received $5,000 and Habitat also received $5,000. So um, yes, when I made the recommendation, my recommendation was that extra dollars to uh, fully f well, fund the um, the 19 agents, uh, the the ones that received funding last year at that same level, um, and then keep the 19,000 for the emerging 
um, agencies discussion. So not tap into that, but come up with 37,000 in new funds to keep folks flat. And then we can have a discussion about uh, how to increase that budget going forward. I think there's a shared interest and, and recognition that we need to we need to grow that budget going forward. Um, my my primary concern is if you fully fund it and you jump up, you know, to the 625 five level, that's that's not going to be sustainable. If you want to fully fund all your other objectives that you have, yes, we can do it this year with one-time funds, but. Again, we won't be able to continue to do that going forward without sacrifices somewhere else in the in the in the operation. Whether that's our department services that we offer, our affordable housing funds, all those things that that, that we do and that you guys have been pouring through over your budget, um, there's too many competing interests for all those things to be funded going forward. And the thirty-seven thousand will come from which? It would, th that would, so what I would do is we would take the 37,000 from our reserves, and then I'm confident that we can roll at a minimum that $37,000 into the operations budget for next year. So that's why I felt comfortable. I said we, we can grow the budget by that amount and sustain it. One thing we, we just need to do from an operational standpoint is we have to set the public hearing for our budget at our next meeting. So we need to lock down our, our numbers. That's why it's it's easy for us just to use the reserves that are already there. So one possibility that comes to my mind is to fund the agencies at what they were funded last year, which is what you're recommending, but perhaps with, I don't know, a 2% inflation, which would be, I don't know, something like $7,200, I think, or thereabouts. Uh, in addition to the, uh, the the total amount of funding, which is was I don't know 350 or whatever last year. Sh sure, any, anything like that would be fine. So, uh, well, Maz, did, did you want to say something? Not about what you said. Well, I think I, I was just wanted to get the possibility out there that we could basically agree with Jeff's recommendation. This is just a possibility. Agree with Jeff's recommendation, but perhaps put a one-year inflation into it. Just keep in mind, with, with the unknown on the CDBG, right. that that 2%, which which only amounts to $740, I think, is that, that could be erased pretty quickly. Right. I understand. So right now for FY20, we're at 250000 for the general fund, correct? Correct. And so under your proposal, that would increase it to 287000 from the general fund? Correct. And so if we were um, going to fully increase the budget by 260, then we'd essentially be doubling the budget for FY20, is that correct? Uh, it's it's not. Uh, if it's two fifty yeah. now and two sixty, so like three hundred. Okay, so okay, like five ten. Okay. I just want to propose something else. Sure. You know, just by looking at the the main priority of all those organization, childcare, disability, use, food, you know, homeless, and etc. I think those organizations really doing great job in the community, no doubt. And I always think about the money you are taking from us and giving it back to the community. 
which is just a circle. And this money actually is owned by the community in the first place. And that's why I think for this year, we can just fully fund them. Since Jeffy said you're going to propose 37,000, uh, which is will make the left uh, the the amount that they should be fully funded 223 more, uh, including the, of course the series seven. I really propose that to give them one time funding to fully fund all the organization and keeping in mind to do what the mayor said from now and on, which is 2% inflation increase, and with not with the new amount, because this is the two, 223 will be only one time, then with the old amount, which is 374, that will be like all of them from the general fund, the CDBE fund, and the utility fund. Uh, the total city is 74, and this is will add 2% for the inflation every year. And the commission will know that we did this only one time, just because I'm worried about some organizations, they're gonna lose their matching fund, so they can get more money from somewhere else. But since they will know from now and on, we are not gonna have this every year, they will figure another source to try you know, to have the matching money after what they get from us. I really, that's what I propose because I, you know, I just talking about the shelter house, I always, you know, there is a lot of need for them. And even though they're doing great job, but they are not like really covering all the needs. I've been taking people to the shelter house and we stay until six o'clock and they cannot find a place to stay because they are full. So, yes, you know, I think they're doing a great job, and that's my proposal. Mm -hmm. You know, I was actually ready to come in here and make the unpopular choice and say, you know, that I would support not fully funding. Um, because it is easy to say yes to organizations that we all love um, and we all admire and we all are so grateful in our community. And it's incredibly difficult to say no to those organizations that do such wonderful um, work as far as that goes. So certainly it's the easy thing, especially as stewards of taxpayers, to say yes. Um, and it's very hard to say no because it's a very unpopular um, position and it's never never easy to say no. And anyone who makes decide that decision, I certainly respect that position. But I am persuaded based upon the data, the clear numbers. It's an emotional topic. We all feel very strongly about this. But frankly, Chair, the way you came and presented the data and the numbers I think was very compelling, and I think what was most compelling was the numbers of people that we have um, uh, welcomed into this community, which 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 is a favorable trend. Um, Jeff, you had brought up in one of our um, emails population trends. Um, we are one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Iowa. We also have one of the highest growing rates of um, international residents coming in throughout the world. So we do have the needs, and I think Jim, you bring up a very sober point about the 
the unlimited needs. Um, but I think to Charlie's point, was I think very effective, wherever you are, Charlie, um, these are professional organizations, um, sober organizations, data-driven organizations um, that do these five-year forecasts in terms of what the look is. And I think that we can all assume that our demographic and our population trends are, gonna, are going to increase at that rate. So, and then finally related to the um, state and federal government, there's no um, doubt we're facing a headwind um, from our legislature as well as from the federal government, but we can't control where they stand or where um, the state stands, but we can't control where we stand. And I think we need to make very clear on that. As of the 2%, I think that sounds reasonable, but what I propose as a conversation going forward is that over these next six months, I would have liked to have seen this on the front end of the budget process rather than at this process. I do not think this is an ideal time to do it. Um, I would like to see our HCDC partners come up with this with a viable funding mechanism, because I do think we have some flexibility in terms of how we fund some of our services, the our core services. So I'm going to make that um, choice of the full at 260 with a discussion as to how we move forward in terms of additional funding streams moving forward. And I, I concur with Muzzy here in the sense this would definitely be one time. We're not looking at this as an ongoing uh, fun because we do have these budget pressures because of state and federal policy, but that's where I am at this point. Just before, you know, yeah. just, I, I want to add just one thing, so I'm sorry. You know, and the 260 or the 223, because you guys always worried with this, where this money will come from, and I know we don't want to interrupt the city manager, you know, budget instead of saving like money, we can take that out from the surplus, which is from the facility reserve, and this is, could be 223. I know 223 is for to reserve the, the facility, but we can really invest. This is not a lot of money if we take it from there. It's not gonna make like really big difference if we don't have this 200. That means we are not gonna build the facility. Yes, take that instead of build the facility right now, we can build communities and use that money to, for the community. What are we calling that fund, Jeff? Contingency fund for the public transit facility? Is that the term you've been using? Uh, well, a facility reserve fund for municipal facilities. So, so that's what you're referring to, Maz, right? Take money out of this facility reserve fund. Yeah, because we, w we would like one million something, 600 or over there. We can pull only 200 because we still need more money for that facility. And this is only one time. So we don't interrupt the city manager budget that he or I understand. So, Jeff, I think I remember reading in your memo to us that we're actually making a two-year, it's a two-year cycle so that the decision we make pertaining to the first year applies to the second year looking ahead. Um, that, that was the intent going into this. Um, again, if you, if you decide to fully fund um, at the HCDC recommendation, I would suggest that you, you not commit to two years and that you go through this application process and the allocation process again, unless you want to, you know, if you want to make this your top budget priority going into next year, um, you know, we'll make every effort to fully fund it that second year. but. There's, there's opportunity costs that come with that. So. Yeah, for Rockney, I, I, I think given your recommendation about 260 and Maj, you, I think you clearly agree with this. Um, I find it hard to imagine that we will incre if we increased it, the allocation by $260,000 this year, 
and then suggest next year that that 260,000 won't be there, I don't think that'd go over very well. I think that would be a problem for us. Maybe cross that I mean, bridge when we get there, but I think we're not, I'm not committing to that, and so I think anyone that comes up that's watching on TV that, that makes that claim, that, that's certainly not our intent at this point. I think on, on that note that it, it is something that we really need to seriously take a look at, and as Rockney mentioned, you know, looking at it a little ahead of the budget cycle than what we're doing now, uh, because it is a serious concern that uh, it's, first of all, it's a sad statement that uh, there is so much need out in the community, but I think Paula said something that, that kind of touched me, uh, because I think you can't put a value on, on these things, these, these human needs and these services that these agencies provide. Uh, you just have to look beyond the cost of something, and, and she she called it the the human cost. And I, I you know we really need to look at that and, and what would be the consequences if, if we don't address these needs. Uh, they're just the vulnerable members of our community, and we need to help them out. And it should be a priority. It should be a budget priority. You know, it's my opinion. Yeah. So. Hmm. Eleanor, I've spoke with Susan earlier today. She told me what she would do if she was here. Can I bring that up just for information purposes? Yeah. Uh, well, she, she she told me that uh, you know she would support Jeff's recommendation. Just and that that's the simplest way to put it. I do think the conversation here today could have influenced her position. And so I'm not certain that it would be wise to share her her thoughts without having experienced this. Yeah, yeah because maybe if she were here and she heard what the people say, she would change her mind. And even if you want to count that as a no vote for this, that's not, I guess that's not legal. Uh, she's it, not it, here, she's not it, here. It, it can't count as a no because she's no, not there's here. There's no voting going yep. on. It's just also, no, if we like three of us, we don't have to vote. But if like four of us said yes, that's it. This will go. But like bringing somebody else's ideas, she's not here, she's not here. Well, it's helpful to hear what, what her thoughts were, but I think I agree that uh, having heard some of the things that the commissioners said in the process that they went through, I think that's kind of uh, changed my opinion on, on it. Well, fair enough. Um, my own view is that I support what Jeff recommended with a modest uh, increase associated basically with inflation, which is why I asked the question about 2%. And I really want to know whether agencies have reached out to corporations and large owners of large apartment complexes to get donations from the people who have wealth. Uh, and you know, and if we if we just increase the amount by a very large fraction, uh, there's no incentive to do that. So that that's my view, and, and I know others have different views. Well, I, I think one of the benefits of, of the presentation was, um, and what, what I learned tonight was, we I think finally after years of this kind of stagnating program, have a much clearer idea of what the need is. I think that's that's a useful starting point, um, which I think will help moving f as we move forward. That the public, the community. Potential donors will also, I would hope, have a better understanding of what the what the need is, and that we'll all respond, uh, you know, as we see fit. Uh, you know, I am persuaded after hearing, you know, all the testimony from the commission that um, you know, it's a, a pretty 
pretty serious issue we're dealing with. This is a safety net um, for people who are the most vulnerable in our community. I mean, that's a pretty serious issue. Um, I, I would suggest perhaps that, um, you know, that it seemed like the, the number was sort of, okay, we're just going to forward to council the, the $625,000 figure. Um, one, one thought I would have on that is that, you know, the commission meet again, uh, look at this budget. Uh, you know, there was some discussion that some of the agencies were saying, look, if we had known that, you know, you were, there was the possibility of additional funding, we would have had a different request. Um, you know, I would say, from my standpoint, if we, if we found a number that was not, not exceeding the 625, but there might be some adjustments within that figure in terms of those, those agencies being able to have another opportunity to, to, to weigh in on this, um, that might be useful. Um, but it, it does seem to me there's just been too, too long a period of time where the, the funding's been flat, and then as was noted, the needs have increased so dramatically. And then I, I, moving forward, we're clearly going to need to look at this program. I mean, it's um, and, and how we as a community with the city as a participant in that move forward and, you know, carry what we feel we can carry forward. But um, for the time being, I think it seems appropriate to, to fully fund the request. Chris, did you want to say anything? When is the allocations for the funds by the commission due? I have no idea. March, it looks like March 21st is our um, internal deadline, and that's driven by the um, HUD requirements for reports. So, okay. While the commission was up here, you know, I kind of heard a little bit of um, you know, we we really do need to revamp the program. Um, there's there's room to revamp how you know the process has been done in the past. Um, we are certainly um, behind when it comes down to you know not funding and increasing the funding for um, the aid to agency program for a long time. I. I I guess at this point we're just either going to make a decision yes to move forward or, you know, do we go with um, either what the commission has recommended or do we go with what the city has recommended. Um, my first initial request would be, commission, can you all think about the discussion today and then come back? That would be my first request. I'm not even sure if that's possible. You mean with a different dollar figure to allocate? Yes. I, I mean, some, there, there's huge valid points. I am all about public service mm -hmm. and, and the needs that are here. I mean, everybody up here has said it. Um, I also know that when people go to <laughs> get CDB, you know, get funding, um, it is well known that, you know, getting the 100% of your asking amount is not typically what's going to happen. So I don't know if it is right to ask the commission or if it's even plausible to ask the commission to come back to us or do we have to make a decision right now to give them direction? We have a budget deadline. Isn't that the main issue, Jeff? Well, I think we can put a dollar amount on that and, and, and be, be fine. I, I just, 
It's been a tough process. There's been a lot of meetings. I think it's been tough on the commissioners. It's been tough on the agencies. I, I would personally encourage you to try to make a decision okay. for the short term. Sure. Whether it's fully funded or somewhere in between <laughs> or mine, uh, if, make if, a decision for this allocation. Okay. And then let's, let's have some of those more long-term process-oriented discussions when the pressure's off a little bit. Very hard decision. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, the fully funding um, from the facility funds. Of course, I would love to really have, like, this is our, you know, process to increase the aid to agency fund. But if we can't elaborate and have more discussion, um, I'm going to say fully funded because. I mean, the need is there. I, I really wish that we had this back a couple of months ago and there could have been discussion on how to increase this amount. Um, I am, I have fear that come next year, uh, there nobody's going to want this fund to go down. Okay. And I think that's what, the, you know, that's the possibility. And what we see, you know, as the requests now, we're going to get the same response next year that we have to have this money or our program won't be functional. Um, I'm going to go with uh, fully funding. And I am also going to request that the funds come from the facility funds. My footnote is, is I would just leave it to Jeff's discretion. About where to pull about the funds. Where it comes. Yeah. I That's would prefer to me. leave it to Jeff's discretion myself. All right, I think that okay. there's clear support. <clears throat> Five people clearly uh, want to fully fund the agencies. And so we'll, I think we need a follow-up discussion, but that's, I think, clearly the decision. Yeah, and I'll make sure the staff that works with the commission doesn't have any answers before we adjourn here. But uh, from my understanding, it'll be fully funding, fully funded for this year. We'll, we'll do another application process next year. You're not making a two-year commitment. Is that correct? It's that a one-year commitment. That's the way I understand that it. That's correct. Yeah. And we'll go through, and then we'll work through budget allocations heading into fiscal year 21's budget. Do we still want to add the 2%? Like, well, I'm not on top. I, I want to defer. No, no, I mean the cost of living for for next year. So they will know we are not going to do the fully funded, but we might increase it two percent. I, I think I we should defer. That. I think yeah. I think what I'd like to do is is sit down and, and have some more discussions with the agencies. To Rockney's oh. point, um, you know, I accept some responsibility for this because I, I think we could have engaged uh, these last few years with some agencies on the front end of the budget, which we haven't done at a staff level, and 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 maybe helped avoid where we're at. To, uh, so I'd like some more time to, yeah. to vet that. Um, and hopefully you know, the recommendation that you see next January for us will may not be exactly what the agencies want, but at least we'll be informed by the, the input that, that uh, currently they only share through the application process through HCDC. Sure. Okay. Good deal. Well, that's a lengthy discussion, but a valuable one. So one last thing, Mayor, just because I want sure. to be sure in case we, we we get into this, not knowing where the CDBG funding is, but knowing, guessing it's going to be around that hundred thousand level. We're going to fully fund if CDBG comes in a little higher. Then our our general fund contribution may be a little lower. If CDBG comes in a lo little lower, we'll raise our general fund contribution up a little bit. Yep, sounds reasonable so to me. It's a fully fund directive. Okay, so folks, it's 15 till. We should take a break. Uh, so that means I think we're just going to have to reconvene the work session after the formal meeting.
Okay, so our work session for February the 5th is back in session. First item is clarification of agenda items, and we just went through the agenda, so we don't really need to do much about this, but I do want to mention one thing having to do with item 19, the resolution concerning the Labor Center. Uh, I just want you to know that as a matter of courtesy, I reached out to President Harold and informed him a few days ago that this topic, this resolution would be on the formal meeting agenda. I shared with him a copy of the uh, of the resolution so he wouldn't be caught by surprise, and he appreciated that, I think. Uh, anybody else want to bring up anything having to do with, uh, you know, agenda items, questions about the agenda items? Okay, so I'm assuming the answer is no. Moving ahead, info packet discussion, January 24th. I guess. Um, clarifying IP2, I, I spoke with Susan earlier today. She said, where did this article that I had uh, submitted, where did it come from? And it, it had been something sent to me by a resident. It, it, was, it first appeared in the uh, quarter business journal. So, You're referring to Gary Watts? Yeah, the Gary yeah. Watts piece on rental vacancies. So it, it it was in the quarter business journal. I thought that in itself was kind of interesting that that's where it would show up. Uh, where he got his data, I don't know. It might be interesting to follow up on that. But um, anyway, that's the backstory behind that. I, I appreciated seeing that uh, article. I, I do wondered where it come from and, and how it came about because it's very timely mm -hmm. with all of our discussion recently about vacancy rates and 9.2, that's a pretty scary number and, and I think uh, we have to really keep an eye on that and be cautious about developments and vacancy rates. I just wanted to briefly comment on IP3. Um, the Des Moines Register two or three weeks ago had done a really good a summary of the benefits of road diets and included a little video, um, which I was thinking that at some point we could actually run, but we, we don't have to. We can probably pass, unless people really want to, um, given the, <laughs> this time. So I'd encourage the public to look at it um, on their own time. But I think the reason why I brought that up is that you know we talk a lot about how we um, do not like what's coming from Des Moines sometimes, but we have surprising alignment, I think, with our DOT on these road diets um, in terms of the safety benefits, the environmental benefits. So it's sort of nice to have alignment with what our goals are. And in fact, um, the DOT is actually encouraging these. So I think a lot of times the residents think that when we do these four to three lane conversions, taking obviously a four lane highway or road and mo moving it to three, that we're just sort of proposing this out of our own personal preference. Um, these are partnerships in many cases funded by the DOT in large measure. Um, we have one on Mormon Trek that's gonna come online that's had some controversy. We've had some on First Avenue. Um, the health, the safety, um, all these different benefits are something that you can see on the video. So in the interest of time, we're getting a little bit late at night, we don't have to show the video. I do appreciate that it was all queued up. Um, I think at some point if we have another discussion on a road diet, we should sort of keep this in the queue uh, so that we can just sort of see. It's a nice six minute video. It is very succinct and it just sort of demonstrates visually um, the power of that simple road design. Maybe we could do it in the context of traffic accidents when we get to that discussion. Yes. Depending on the timing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. 
I hesitate to tell you that there's been a bill introduced in Des Moines that, would, um, diets. Don't tell me. <laughs> that would re oh, restrict the DOT from encouraging cities to do further road diets. Seriously? You've serious? Serious? Yes. got to be kidding me. Oh, my God, Rocky. So, <laughs> the partnership's good, but it may not last forever. <laughs> Oh, Somebody didn't like their road diet. And, and some. <laughs> oh, was actually getting some really good press on this. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, that's so just... there we go again. Right. For heaven's sakes. I did think this would be controversial, but I mean, <laughs> actually, Moine, but... I looked at the video and I, I thought it was um, enlightening, you know, the rationale. And so um, while, while in Washington, D.C., I will say one thing. Um, they talked about bike lanes um, being next to the curb. And then, you know, cars being parked. So um, that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll bring up IP number six from the January 10th packet. Well, maybe I'm getting a, I don't know, my notes might be confused. Anyhow, KXIC radio interviews, whatever item that is. <laughs> six. IP, IP six. six yeah. Okay. So we need to fill in some details here, right? Susan grabbed March 13th. Just Sorry? Who did? Susan. Susan, March 13th. Okay, March 13th. so I can volunteer for March 6th or 27. March 6th, maybe? I think I can still do that. Let me make sure I, that's true. I'd like February 13th, if that's... <clears throat> I could do February 27th. Jim, you took the 6th or the 20th of March? Uh, I did March 6th, right? I can do the 20th of March. I can do the 27th. Of March? Yes. Uh, that's it, right? Or, or have you said anything, Bruce? I can do April 3rd. All right. Did we get February 20th? Who did February 20th? Well, it no. It looks like there's March 20th and then... April 10th, 17th, and 24th. March 20th, but February 20th? February 20th is, is you. Oh, I said March, but I can do February. Oh, do you want? I can do February, sure. But then we have March 20th. But then we have March <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you do March 20th? Can a staff person do February 20th? Sure. Okay, staff. Okay. Sure. Good. Then April 10th, did you say? 10th, yeah. yeah I, I could probably do that. That's probably far enough ahead. Okay. Anything else on that packet? All right, how about the February 1st packet? The January 31st, I... January 31st January packet, you mean? Oh, what did I say? Did I say February 1st? Sorry, yeah, January 31st. We knew what you meant. Well, good thing somebody did. I just want to comment about item 7 and 8 that had to recommendation of adoption historic district for the downtown area. I just want to say that I really support the consultant study done for about how much? 13,000 or something like that. And yes, to I really just want to express I support aesthetic preservation, even though I voted in two of them, maybe, no, but I still really support them and encouraging this study. Uh -huh. Yeah, it seems like the Historic Preservation Commission has done exactly what we asked them to do, and they're giving us recommendations. My sense is that they're good recommendations, and we should move ahead on them. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. 
on, I, go ahead. IP9. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very enthusiastic about what I was seeing there. Um, it, it, the idea of uh, the Community Foundation of Johnson County moving into that building, I thought, uh, you know, we, we're already, I thought, making progress with the purchase of those two houses and then to see who one of the, the occupants might be of one of them. Can you just say a little bit about the background of this? Because I really don't remember. Okay, the these were the two properties on Gilbert Street uh -huh. and Northside Marketplace uh, that were purchased by the city. And there was a, a, the thought that per, rather than converting them or keeping them as residential through the university program, uh, considering some sort of non-residential use. And so we put out the request for proposal to see what potential nonprofits might be interested in, in those two buildings. And we got two good proposals back, one from PS1 and one from the Community Foundation of Johnson County. And the recommendation in the memo was to, to uh, support the idea of the Community Foundation moving into, I think, 429 North Gilbert and PS1 uh, work out, continue to work toward trying to accommodate PS1 and 425. 200 block, 229 and 225. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, Those I think owned by Mercy? They were owned they were. by Mercy. We bought them. Okay. Right? Sure. Just, just north of uh, the Haunted Bookshop, those two mm -hmm. houses there. Uh, I think both proposals are, from my standpoint, I think very encouraging. Uh, Community Foundation has never had its own building. They're currently in the... Uh, Chamber of Commerce building. So they really have no visible presence in Iowa City. So I think giving them their own place and they're very excited about moving into that house, uh, I think sounds like great flesh and bones on you know the, the ideas that we've been pursuing. And it, the PS1 suggested to me, because that, that's a little bit more open-ended as far as how that might go, but it reminded me again of the question of the form-based code for the Northside Marketplace and how, how that programmatically could potentially play into that study, you know, of the Northside Marketplace having PS1 potentially along with the Community Foundation, you're really beginning to strengthen the presence of that district uh, in terms of its its character and mixed use. So anyway, I, I, I was very, very encouraged by that memo and you know, thanks to staff for suggesting that we consider some other uh, option there. I, I felt the same way and I think this is another nice situation where you have a recommendation for staff that is in full alignment and anticipates, I think, what we would likely support. Um, I think it's a great choice. Public Space One, a lot of people know about Public Space One. Um, it's well known within the arts community. Um, it's led by John Engelbrick, sort of a quiet guy. But they quietly, on a shoestring, I think have built from the ground up one of the most impressive arts organizations in the city of Iowa City. I love that they have track record. I love that they have vision. I love that they don't only talk, they do. Um, and we can be very confident that they will effectively utilize this space. So I, I think staff had an actual home run. We got the late submission from Little Village. 
Matt, I love you, but I also love Little Village down in South Dubuque. I don't know if that would have caused them to, to move from South Dubuque. So um, it's, it's no knock on Little Village. We love what they do, but uh, we can't have all the good stuff on the North Market Square. We have to have some of it south of uh, Burlington. So great work, staff. Yeah, the Community Foundation proposal was certainly very sound and strong, their financial aspect of it, and, and the fact that they do plan to uh, renovate if, if need be, and, and uh, they would absorb the cost on that. Excellent choice for them. And they, too, have been in the community 20 years, I think. So both group, you know, PS1, 16 years, Community Foundation, 20 years. Um, it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm really pleased about the recommendation. Okay, move to another item. I just need one. So we want to move fairly quickly on this because we're we have carrying costs with these uh, homes. So we'll we'll engage both of those. The one thing that's hanging out there is still the, the relocation of the Gloria Day House. And this was one of the areas that we identified. Is there any concern with us continuing these conversations, knowing that the Gloria Day issue is unresolved? Not for me. I won't want to move so, it there anyway. It's just more expensive to move it there rather than one of the other, okay. than the one right across the street. Okay. All right. Okay, January 31st, uh, item number 10, mm -hmm. uh, about the MBO, Johnson County. The, the, this is, has to do with uh, possible combining the Iowa City and the University of Iowa Coralville Transportation System. I guess I have a question maybe for our city manager, Jeff. Yes. How does this report fit with the uh, transportation expansion study? Well, when we went into the study, there was an understanding between Coralville and the university that it would not include um, a, a full-blown merger study. Um, that was what we kind of set forth as the I say ground rules coming into those discussions on what a transit study may look like. Um, I have told them that this has resurfaced and, and that um, you all will be having this conversation. What we would need to do if you and the other political bodies would want to do this, we just need to negotiate that in the scope of the contract. Which So now is a good time to have the discussion. Um, because the scope of the contract has not been defined. Remember, we didn't request for qualifications, so we're identifying a consultant that has the strongest qualifications to assist us with our study. After we identify that consultant, they will help us develop a scope based on their expertise. So we have a little bit of time to, um, to figure out what our scope would be, but this is a significant change in scope, going from a route study analysis, fair analysis, to a add in a, a basically what a combined system would look like is a huge jump. Uh, how much more, you can't give us exact numbers, but how much more would it cost? And two, what impact would that have in the production of the study? Because we know that the study already is going to take a while, and I think we all want to get done as soon as possible. Do you have a sense of that at all? <clears throat> I, I'd hesitate to even okay. give a guess on that, Rockney. I'm sorry. I, I don't know that it would l l lengthen the term of the study that that much. Because um. I guess my position would be is I think, Bruce, I think you made an absolutely great point in bringing this up in the first instance. There, 
we believe that there could be some really nice synergies in terms of sharing the resources, sharing the infrastructure. That's our perception. But to have sort of that learned study, um, and I think now sort of the time, we're a growing region. So if we do the foundation and we decide, hey, you know, maybe we can begin this process, this is sort of the first step. On the other hand, I think if Jeff comes back and all of a sudden it's a huge expansion in terms of cost, sort of like with our form-based code in the north side, we got the sticker shock, we can revisit that. Um, but that's sort of at least where I am at this point. I had hoped to have um, some letters of support, um, one from another uh, political body. Um, where I spoke to some of the um, elected officials there, where they are, where those that I spoke to, they are in support of a regional system and, and another committee um, that is related to transportation. And so I do hope to um, get that support, which would just, you know, I'm assuming that their support would be to really consider this mm -hmm. um, as an option. Um, and now would be the time to do it. And I understand I'm, I'm the first to say we need to move quickly on transportation, but not too quick where, um, you know, 10 years from now, seven years from now, we're going to talk about the regional transportation again. I think now would be the time to really have a great conversation about it, do a little um, Research may it may not be in depth, but just to see if there's others out there that want to do it, um, it would be worth it. Uh, the wait, but definitely, my position was just to have the conversation. Well, I'd be really shocked if other entities wanted to pursue seriously considering merging the transportation the, the transit systems. Yeah, and it, it, we could want it all as much as possible, but it takes other people to agree. I don't think Coralville wants to do it. I don't think the university wants to do it. And then there's us. So I'm not a big fan of, you know, Bruce and you and I have talked about this before. I, I don't think it's politically viable. I think what is politically viable is the transit study we've initiated, and I think that we ought to nail. I'll just say that I think that we should at least ask the question to the other political bodies. And that, we, we, if it's been done, it's been done the past 20 years, maybe here and there. But I think if we're going into this new study, now will be the time to just ask if there's interest. Is, is we, coordination part, I mean, I, I'm, I don't have that memo in front of me, but I mean, it's, there are different levels of you know, sure. becoming one system, so to speak. Uh, is that part of the RFP, short of? Yeah, there is. So they'll look at fair coordination, transfer policies, that those sorts of things so that we can make it more seamless when you're going from agency to agency. Uh, obviously, we do some coordination already. We're, we're on the Bongo system together. You can, um, we, you know, we share an interchange. Uh, there's a lot of things that we do together right now. The seats operation is something that we all come together to do. Um, we hope to get to a higher level of coordination, um, but it stops short of a 2080 service agreement where you have one entity operating it, kind of like we do at the animal shelter. We're not we're not going that far. My, I, I tend to agree with the, the mayor's assessment on this. I think if we went back as staff to the committee that we're working on, uh, we're, we're evaluating these consultants with, and, and we said, 
hey, the council's asked uh, if if we want to reconsider a metro um, uh, a transit set up uh, with this study, I think we'll get a quick no from those folks around the room. Um, I, I, I would say if you want to explore this, that needs to be at a, at a level higher than staff. It needs to be political body to MPJOC, I mean, can we just bring it up on the agenda, MPJOC? You, you could. I, I'm trying to think how their agendas are structured to, okay. to, if there's an open kind of item. But yeah, I mean, the, the, all entities would be represented there. I just don't think, if, if you're going to look to me and say, hey, will you bring this up again, I could pretty much tell you what I'm going to get. So you, you may want to go council to council, elected official to elected official in some type of setting, whether it's MPO or others. Yeah, I think what's more viable, my judgment about this, is to do the study we've already been working with other parties about get the results of it, if that involves a significant amount of collaboration among the systems in the way that Jeff articulated, great, build on that. And you know, it's, it's a matter of time, it'd be a build on this, build on it, build on it, build on it over time. I think that has a lot more viability than saying at this moment, we want to have you, all of us rethink this and have some kind of consider whether to create a, a regional agency. So I have one question. I think I was told that I could not go to other <coughs> political bodies or political individuals and even ask of their interests, except um, the one political body where there's people that I know there personally, I asked them if they were interested in it, if they would write a letter of support. And I believe that that letter will be coming. So am I allowed as an individual on the city council to go to Corville University and ask them if they're interested? Because I, it seemed like no one here wants to do that, which is fine. But am I allowed? It depends on what you mean by Cor Coralville or okay. North Liberty. If you're talking so about you speaking to the city councils of Coralville and North Liberty, I, I think that's probably not a good idea. If it involves you personally speaking to another council member personally, just exploring the possibility with that person. You mean our council? No, or no. no. Another like council. You know, Mitch Gross or whoever okay. in okay, Coralville sure. and just saying, hey, we, I have been thinking about this. I mean, sure. I, Bruce, sure. have been thinking about this. What do you think, Mitch? Sure. Okay. You know, that's one thing, and it's a very different thing. If you went there and said, basically, on behalf of Iowa City City sure. Council, I want no. to know if y'all are interested, then that's no. a mistake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yep. All right. Thanks. IP6 about the uh, automated vehicles or electric cars. I found that interesting because we've been encouraging uh, electric vehicles and even have some of our own in our fleet. Um, because it'll help reduce our, our emissions, but it, then to see this, it's sort of like the domino effect, like that this, this is going to happen. So I think we were talking about our legislative issues. Our, I think our lobbyists should kind of keep their ear to the ground and see what comes up, whether it be a fuel tax or registration changes. I think we do need to keep an eye on that. Boy, I agree. You know, a professor I used to work with and knew very well many years ago, David Forkenbrock, 20 years ago, was he was running the, uh, the Iowa the Policy Center over at the university. And he said, 
Uh, I'm looking into using VMT, vehicle miles traveled, as a, as a, a substitute way of uh, getting revenue from vehicles instead of relying on the gas tax, because the gas tax is going to be a problem in the future. 20 years ago, he said that. So I'm sure that the, what's called the Transportation Research Board, TRB, uh, which is part of the National Academy of Sciences, has a ton of information about this. And so I think the suggestions the state's considering are a big step backwards, and especially for us in our efforts to, to reduce carbon emissions. So. IP5 and IP2, this is a follow-up on the drink special issue, oh, yeah. um, and the IP2 is the work session agenda. I would like to get support from two other counselors for purposes of a work session on our drink special policy. Um, this is something that was looked at, what, 2010, 2009, Eleanor, approximately, um, where the council was concerned about a lot of um, downtown drink specials, um, and they banned two for one, they did a lot of other changes. I think there was a particular um, issue about whether you could regulate the price. I don't know that I want to identify any particular proposal now. Other than I think that this is something, given what happened last week, that I would like to re revisit this. Now, it may be, you know, you may say, well, you know what? I don't want to change it. I don't want to overreact to one significant incident. It may be that we convene a work session and we revisit and say we don't need to make the change. Um, I think that will have value because I think it's important that we monitor what's going on with these institutions, that we engage them in conversation, that we also bring out all the um, owners of the bars that are very responsible and uh, restaurants that serve alcohol that are very responsible to tell us what they do. And it may be that we don't need to make any changes, but I know before the city went to 21, there was a lot of steps before that um, that they engaged the downtown community and finally went up there. So I do think it's important that we signal in a concrete way our, our, our concern about um, that particular incident. And maybe there's some that I'll say there that you can't you know, legislate common sense. Um, but nevertheless, um, what happened a week ago um, did not violate city ordinance. Um, and it, it was permitted. So uh, I would at least like to uh, convene a work session you know, again, nothing urgent. I don't anticipate we're going to have any of those sorts of temperatures again. Um, but, I, but I do want to at least revisit that issue. And um, I think that will have value, even if we then say, hey, we need to maintain the status quo. So I don't know what people think about that. Rocky, um, but I'd like to have that on there. I'm sorry. What kind of information would you want from the staff for that meeting? I think, I think sort of where we left off with the conversation, it's my understanding the, the issue that I saw was is that we banned two-for-one um, drink specials. But you can, there's no lower limit is my understanding in terms of what can be charged. So if you, you can essentially achieve the same result of a drink special that recklessly encourages large amounts of alcohol to be consumed um, under this circumstance. So for me, I think would be helpful. It's my understanding that the council at the time in 2009 and 2010 considered regulating drink specials more broadly than they decided to do. There were some concerns that were expressed, and I think the council at the time rejected a similar 
concept in terms of you know how low they could go in terms of prices, and it may be that we reach the same conclusion. But I, I thought it'd be good for us to revisit that, so you can sort of. I, I can give you a yeah. memo with the history of, of yeah. it and and why the council landed where it did, and yeah. and you can go from there. That's what I'm sort of looking at, and then of course invite the downtown district and signal to the bar owners for them to have the pu public comment. I think we can have a good productive conversation. Uh, maybe uh, Tanya Vellhauer and others with the Partnership for Alcohol Safety. Yes. Yeah. I think the uh, PAS recently put out a survey to its members asking what they want to focus on in the coming year, and no drink specials was an option on that. Um, and I think certainly if we approached that group and said, would you take a look at this and give us your thoughts, they'd be happy to do that. And that's a group, if you're not familiar, that includes university, city, uh, bar owners, property owners, downtown, various stakeholders um, in, in the whole uh, drinking discussion. Uh, so that might be a good place to start it, too. I think they would probably appreciate your memo as well, Eleanor, if they're going to sure. launch into that discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have support. I mean, am I nodding heads? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good idea. All right. Anything else on that packet, the 20, uh, 31st of January packet? think the answer is no, which gets us to council updates. Maybe we could start with Pauline and move to the left. I think she's shaking her head no. John? Well, the MPO is tomorrow. It was rescheduled. Rescheduled, so. Yeah, I came last, <laughs> last Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't now the weather's going to be bad again. Rocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. City of Lit got vortexed, so is that a verb? You know to what? Vortex? The polar vortex, it's not the polar vortex that's a problem, actually. I saw a 3D video of this. It's the breakup of the polar vortex, which is probably being caused by climate change. Oh, totally. So the vortex is always there doing something, but this thing is broke, it broke up into three parts, and one of them plummeted down our, in our territory. And it was because there's more warm air up in the Arctic, and it's causing the thing to break up. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. I, science. I got, this, well, I got this from Barbara. She's a scientist. I'm very impressed, Joe. Okay, yeah. So, okay. So, any other items? Uh, okay. I think that means we're done with our work session. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.